10 to 11, and then we'll, um, we'll worship again. So uh, when I preach, or when I've been preaching recently, uh, we've been looking at Mark's Gospel, but I felt that this week, and possibly on another occasion as well, um, just to take a sidestep from uh, Mark and look at Colossians, or in fact, look at one verse. Um, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Uh, so if you have a Bible, you can find that. But I think it will come up on the screen uh, as well, and you can follow other references there. Uh, let's uh, read, and then we'll pray. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Father God, I want to thank you for your precious gift of the word, Lord. I want to thank you that it reveals that you're a God who wants to make himself known, who communicates, who down through the ages, you have been a God who speaks, you desire a relationship with us, and therefore you've, you've given us of yourself that we might, we might come to faith, that we might reach out for you, that we might respond to you. But you've taken the initiative with us, O oh God. You stepped into our lives. And Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, Father, for that phrase we sometimes sing, Lord, let your word move in power. And my prayer, Lord God, is that today uh, your word would move in power. My prayer, Lord Jesus, is that every day for every one of us here, we would be positively believing, acting on that, that your word would move in power in our lives. Lord Jesus, that we want to receive what your word has to say, and we want to fill it up and treasure it in our lives and demonstrate how good you are by living it out as well. Father, I pray that you'd come today, you'd help me to speak. I pray, Lord Jesus, that my words would be seasoned with, with grace and would be an encouragement. And I pray you'd draw us on in delighting uh, in your word that we might know you better, that we might draw close to you, that we might worship you, that we might know you speaking with us and uh, in growing in our relationship with you. Amen. Amen. I wonder if the Colossians felt a little bit like I did when I was about eight, when I received the present of what I think was called a boogie board, which is basically a, a very small, modest skateboard for, for a young'un. And I was a young'un, and so I had uh, a red boogie board. It, it can't have been much bigger than that. And uh, I, I received it with gladness and enthusiasm. I loved trying to use it uh, up and down the street or going to my grandparents' house in the holidays and just finding a nice area just to, uh, to try and get used to it. My sister was on roller skates. Roller blades hadn't been invented by then. Um, but I was all for the boogie board. Um, so I received it with eagerness and enthusiasm. But then... Other people, other voices spoke to me, pointing out, look, that's a bit simple. It's not very sophisticated. Why are you, why are you messing with that? And, uh, and then I, I felt my, my confidence wane, this great joy that I'd experienced. But, oh, other people think I'm a bit simple. The Colossians received the gospel of the Lord Jesus with great enthusiasm and delight. And then later on heard voices of apparently sophisticated people who said, what, what really? 
No, Jesus is not the only way. Jesus is okay, but don't be so simple. Don't be so narrow. Don't be so gullible. You need to broaden your horizons a little bit. Jesus might be able to get you started in a spiritual life, but, but he can't take you on. In order to, to, to go on further, you've got to pay attention to, to, to other spiritual powers. Don't just get so fixed on Jesus. So the Colossians have become, well, they, they're now at the point of Paul writing, they're lacking confidence in who Jesus is, what he has done. And so Paul is writing to restore their confidence. And, and so he's writing to, to, to kind of remind them that Jesus is supreme. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Uh, and on he goes. And so later on he's kind of saying... It's through Jesus that you have new life. It's through Jesus that you've been raised. Um, if we read in chapter 3, he says, you know, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also uh, appear with him in glory. So Paul is writing to say, Yes, it is all in Jesus. Um, don't throw away your confidence, but, but return to him. And, and then starts to unpack um, uh, some instructions and some encouragements. And we're just looking at one of them uh, today. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ? Well, because all scripture is all about Jesus. Paul is not encouraging us only to pay attention to uh, the words in your Bible that might be written in red ink to indicate that Jesus said those bits. Um, No, he's talking about the whole Bible, but because the theme of the whole book is Jesus is supreme, this is his chosen way of, of describing the word of God, all of scripture, the word of Christ. Um, And we see in, uh, in John's gospel, in chapter 5, Jesus is responding to uh, his critics on that occasion. And he's saying to, uh, saying to them in, in John 5, verse 39, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is the only way. Jesus has come that we might have life. And what do the scriptures do? They testify about Jesus. They point to Jesus. They focus on Jesus. And so Paul is saying, let the word of Christ do what? Dwell in you, dwell in us richly. Because we can trust it to dwell in us. Richly because it is a treasure to store up delight in the word of Christ personally and corporately, is what Paul is saying to uh, the Colossians. In worshipping, in preaching, in praying, in conversations, in fellowship, in everything, in private, in public, allow it to be always in your heart and bubbling up through what you do. That is it. That's the point today. That's the encouragement. If you're kind of going away wondering later on now, what was it about? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we may not even look today at the, the phrases that, that follow, um, but save them up for uh, 
another occasion in terms of the, the teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom. We're just looking at let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? Why let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Sometimes the Bible, the relevance of the Bible is explained with a really dreary analogy. The Bible is an instruction manual for life. Okay, have you ever heard that as, a, as, a, as an encouragement? I'm not sure. Um, but the Bible is an instruction manual for life. It's affirming that in all of life, the Bible is relevant and helpful. But it's also giving the impression it's tremendously dull. Can you imagine if you're diligent in having a, in having a quiet time um, daily, um, and so, uh, but in life you realize that life goes best when you pick one of the instruction manuals you have, you keep them all neatly on a row, uh, on a shelf, you wake up in the morning, you think, life works well when I consult one of these. It's just good to read. Panasonic Microwave, chapter 5, point 3, section 1, part A. Attach section C to part 3, and rotate through 90 degrees, repeat several times, and um, see figure one for further... You think that would be draining and lifeless. Better to consider what the Bible actually says of itself. The word of Christ is, firstly, briefly, uh, sustaining. So in Matthew's Gospel, in verse, uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 4, uh, Jesus Responds, he says, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are sustained um, physically by food and drink, but the word, of, the word of God that comes from the mouth of God is sustaining to life. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. The word of Christ is Useful. Now, useful can sound a bit weak. You might get a magazine through the door, like Betterware catalogue, and it will have a whole variety of labour-saving devices uh, for you to incorporate into your life um, that are apparently useful. And some of them might be, kind of rarely, you know, when the jam jar lid won't come off. I mean, how often does that happen? Not that often. But every now and again, you might need some sort of device that kind of clamps the lid and gives you that extra bit of leverage um, to get it open. If you can remember where you put the ever-so-helpful labour-saving device, which cupboard, which drawer did I bury this in, thinking that I'd need it? Do you know what? Now I actually do, but I can't seem to put my hand on it. So, useful in that sense? No. If you were to read in the uh, New American Standard uh, version of the Bible or, or other translations, it would have a word that which might to us sound a bit more old-fashioned and perhaps that's why some translations um, don't have it now. Profitable. The word of God is profitable. The word of God is a sound investment. The word of God, the word of Christ brings a, a great resource into our lives, which is not just for once in a blue moon it might be relevant, might be helpful when there's something really, really tricky, but mostly I can get by. The Word of God is profitable in actually uh, every single situation. If we actually turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, 
the context bears that out in verse uh, 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of Christ thoroughly equips us for every good work, for every situation. The word of Christ is also heart-searching, which we see uh, also words that might be familiar from uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It searches our hearts. The word of Christ is fruitful. If you turn to um, Psalm 1, the first few verses uh, there of Psalm uh, chapter 1. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. There is great blessing in delighting in the law of the Lord, in the Torah, as it would have been said um, there in, in the Hebrew. So the psalmist may have been referring just to the initial five books of the Bible, but within there we're not just seeing uh, the laws, we're seeing the promises of God, we're seeing the character of God, we're seeing the activity of God, uh, we're seeing what God has done in people's lives and their own stories to tell of his goodness and how he's shepherded them. And yes, he's telling us about what is good and what is the right path to choose and so on. Delight yourself in these things, the psalmist is saying, and you'll be like a tree that's planted by streams of water that's yielding its fruits in season and whose leaf is not withering. Um, whatever he does prospers. Does that mean huge uh, wealth? No, but it, we... It means real benefit, real fruit in our lives as a result of drinking up from these streams of water, um, planting ourselves right there next to his word. And the word of Christ is faith building. Again, they will likely for many of us be familiar words, but Romans chapter 10 and verse uh, 17 Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We come to faith by his word, by hearing and believing, and it's the word of Christ that builds our faith. So, do we want to know what it really means to be living? Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Do we really want to be prepared for anything, thoroughly equipped? Do we want to make a profitable investment for all of life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Do we want to have a healthy heart of good attitudes? Do we want to be fruitful and grow in faith and an expectation of what God can and will and wants to do in our lives and on this planet and through his church and in our community and in this city? Well then, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It's not dubious, it's not doubtful, it's not dull. It's not just 
a dead object to be stored in a dusty corner, nor a temporary guest. Every now and again, sometimes this happens through the summer seasons, people want to come and stay. Family or friends, I'm just visiting for the weekend. It's fine, come for the weekend, but not much longer than that. Um, it's great to, to welcome guests, invite them in, and they kind of join in with what you're doing. They go along with you, but then after a while, um, having had a delightful time, uh, they go on their way, and you go back to what life was like. We're being encouraged not to just welcome a temporary guest who has to do, do things our way, and then we wave goodbye to. So no, let the word of Christ come and dwell in you. Let it come be with you. Let the word of Christ set the agenda. Let the word of Christ affect how life looks for you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you because the word of Christ is a person. He is living and active. Jesus, the word, has come to us and wants to be a permanent resident in our lives. So to the Colossians... Paul writes, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In a similar section in the book of Ephesians, and in chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes there, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Well, I, I thought it was one. I thought it was the other. He's encouraging us to believe that we're not just storing up facts for a rainy day. We are welcoming the Saviour into our lives and into our hearts. Come and live in here, O Lord, by your word and by your spirit. So that's why. What about how? How do we let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? It may be that what I am about to say is completely familiar, um, but because I believe today God wants to uh, refresh us in our confidence and expectation of receiving the word, being refreshed by him through it, I'm going to state a few things that might to some of you be obvious, to to others of you might be uh, fresh. Either way, I hope they're encouraging. First, how... Read the word. How do we read the word? In a variety of ways. You can take the fast train. When you get on the train, you travel at speed and you cover a big, different, big distance. The scenery makes an impression on you. I can remember catching a, a train in Scotland from Glasgow to Oban. Actually, it wasn't that fast. But the scenery was just dramatic. I I didn't stop at every station. I knew where I was going to, and I did the whole journey. Um, But one day I'll go back and revisit some of those amazing scenes uh, that I saw, the the, the features that stand out. So when when we're getting the fast train, we may be reading a large portion of Scripture in one go. A whole epistle, like Colossians or Ephesians, or even a whole gospel, which maybe takes two sittings rather than one. But our aim is not at that, in that time to, to examine every detail and to stop at every place. 
It's to get through a large section of scripture and be impressed by the scenery. And certain themes will emerge, certain features will stand out. And maybe think, ah, I'll look at that a little bit more another time. But you're getting the benefit of seeing the, the bigger picture. Now, question might be, but I get discouraged because I don't remember it all. Well, what did you have for breakfast three weeks ago on Tuesday? Does anybody know? Unless you have exactly the same breakfast every morning. <laughs> oh, rubbish. <laughs> for most of us, <laughs> we don't know what we had for breakfast three weeks ago on Tuesday. Did it do us good? Did it make a difference? Yes. Even if we can't remember. Sometimes it's just helpful to get on the fast train. And don't beat yourself up with, oh, can I remember absolutely everything? Do I kind of understand every detail? Be blessed by reading a big chunk. Sometimes that can be helpful um, by way of using a reading plan. Um, now, you don't have to stick with it precisely. Uh, I, I have some, and I like using them from time to time. But I, I don't stick with them precisely. If it says January the 1st, I might be doing that on September the 3rd. Um, read these chapters. Um, and you know, it, what's helpful is giving us a varied diet, making the decision for us, what next? Well, I, I read through Colossians. Oh, uh, what should I read now? I don't know. And uh, discouragement can come in as we kind of just ponder. I'm not really sure. Sometimes the, the benefit of reading plans is they, they make the decision for us. Here's the next place to go. And often they'll be very different from the thing that we've just read. If we've been in the gospel, then maybe it will take us um, into the Old uh, Testament. I like some of the children's Bibles that are helpful in giving a good overview to the big picture. In fact, there is one that we've got at home called the Big Picture Storybook Bible. Um, there's one on the bookshelf, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible as well. What's wonderful about them is that they're always, whatever they're looking at, they're always pointing us to the big picture, always pointing to Jesus. Who is he? How does he fulfill this? How does, how does this focus on him? Um, I'm very grateful for having grown up in a church and a Christian family and having had a familiarity with the word of God from a young age. I have to say, though, I was a bit patchy. I, had, I, I kind of dipped in here and there. I was aware of certain things that Jesus did and other bits over here, but I perhaps lacked that big picture. And sometimes that means it's easy to slip into moralism. Or in other words... David was good, Goliath was bad. So, the moral of the story is be good, or you might get your head cut off. You can, you can kind of miss more, more profound points of, well, how does this point to Jesus? We, can, we put ourselves into the story and think, well, I, I must be David. No, no, I'm like one of the Israelites who's just scared. I need a king. I need someone to go out on my behalf and slay the enemy. And then I'm victorious. Anyway, we'll move on because it's just a brief, supposed to be a brief point. Children's Bibles, good stuff. We can always, also, as well as taking the fast train, take the slow road. And when we take the slow road, we're not in a hurry. We're not trying to cover so much in a day. We're looking at the next bit. And maybe that will be a paragraph. Maybe that will be a verse. Maybe that will be a few words. We're in no hurry. Here are a few things to do. If you fancy taking the slow road, 
as you do that, jot down your thoughts, your observations, your questions on what you've just read. The aim is not to write perfect prose that you publish later. The purpose is just to help me to notice things, to help me to help me to read. It can be helpful to ask ourselves some questions, some prime questions. P for promises. What are the promises here? What is God saying he will do? Or just to take it a little bit more loosely, what is true of God? What is his character? What is he like? R is for repeats. Sometimes, and sometimes in in narrative parts of scripture, um, repeated words or repeated phrases are there at the author's intention and God's design so that we might be helped to see what's the point, what's the main thrust of this passage. So if you're reading about Jesus before Pilate, the phrase crops up any number of times, King of the Jews, King of the Jews, King of the Jews. Who is Jesus? He's King of the Jews. This is a very unusual crowning moment, but this is him coming into his kingdom. This is the kind of king that Jesus is, that he would stand before Pilate and be willing to be, uh, to be sent to his execution. That then the, uh, the soldiers would mock him and bow down before him to, to say, Oh, hail king of the Jews. But this is our God. This is our king. Just by noticing what's... Okay, fairly obvious on that occasion. What's the phrase that gets repeated? Maybe we might need to do a bit of digging to see on other occasions, but often that's a a source of encouragement there. P for promises, R for repeats, I for instructions. The scripture commands, the scripture instructs, the scripture encourages us. We're looking at one today. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But it's good then to start asking questions like we're doing right now. Why? How? When? Paying attention to instructions, M is for Messiah. Where do we see Jesus? What is he like? What has he done? And E is for examples. Do we learn from the example of David? Do we learn from the example of Goliath? Do we learn from the example of Saul? Where we're seeing, yeah, sometimes there are, there are attitudes and there are lives to emulate and pray, God, I want to be more like that. And on other occasions there are examples, think, well, that's there that I might avoid it. David, why on earth did you do that? God, help me to avoid that. Just asking ourselves questions. That we might answer this question. The basic question, what does this mean? Which is subtly different from, what does this mean to me? It's not just, what do I think? What, what meaning most suits me? It's, this has meaning, and I want to know it, and my life will be blessed by meditating on this. So it's not just, oh, I fancy just picking and choosing and deciding for myself what does it mean? It's, Lord, this means something. This author, and you yourself, O Lord, put this in the scripture that it might edify me, that my life might be aligned to your words. And then to go on and ask, ask ourselves the question, and therefore, so what? What am I going to do? How am I going to apply this into my life? 
Am I stating the obvious? Jolly well hope so. But I think God wants to refresh us in these things. In our garden, um, we have some rather large raspberry canes. They're there um, because the previous owner planted them. And we just get to enjoy them. And uh, this year in particular, they have been, for the last few weeks and the last couple of months, just dripping with raspberries. So we, we go out and we can fit, just on almost a daily basis, we've been filling large containers with lots of raspberries. And they are easy to spot. Easy to take. On other occasions, we have to do a little bit of looking and searching, and it's not yielded quite as much. There's still some fruit there to be picked. And uh, that can be the case for, for us. There's always rich pickings in the Word of God, but sometimes we find lots. Sometimes we just find a bit. Don't be discouraged, don't stop. I wonder if actually as I pick the raspberries that I do find, it stimulates the plant somehow. Um, that then when I go back again, I'm going to see some more. So don't be put off. If you read through big chapters, think, oh goodness me, nothing's quite sparking today. I'm, I'm not seeing much. Go with what you do see. And when you see something, pray it. Thank God for it. Ask God to help you. Pick what you find. Develop a pattern that works for you. That may be catching the fast train. That may be taking the slow road. Actually, it can be helpful to alternate and vary things up a bit. Find a time that works for you. And at different seasons of life, different times work better. If you're heading to work really early, then maybe a lunch break. If you're uh, getting back from school, maybe right then is the time to do it. Meal times at families, uh, with, with family, or, or last thing before turning out the light. Different people, different personalities, different stages in life benefit from different plans. Know yourself. Some of us love systems, some of us love ticking things off a chart. Some of us like the order of going through a scheme. Some of us are more spontaneous. We need to vary things a little bit more often. Um, but we don't. As, any plan is there to serve us rather than us being slave to a plan. Oh, I've got to get back on the fast train. I've got to keep reading. I've got to keep going. Right, did I kind of spot anything? Well, no, not really, just because I just need to get through it and tick it off. That could be an indication. Just, just time to vary it up. Take the slow road for a little bit. Keep it fresh. Use different translations. Got to be aware of kind of maybe the, the, the ethos behind different translations. But um, it can be yeah, the New Living Translation can just be uh, a great way of, of coming to the Scripture afresh. And it will make some decisions for you on what the word means. So some Bibles, like the NASB, uh, the New American Standard, will be as accurate as they can in terms of translating word for word the meaning. Others, at a different end of the spectrum, will look at the words but try to give you the th thought for thought. Well, this is what they were getting at. So we're going to make some decisions for you, and these are the words we're putting in. So if you were reading 
Colossians 3, verse 16, in a different translation, it might say the message of Christ. Well, that's giving the thrust of it, isn't it? That's giving us the sense of what it means. Actually, it might be more accurate to say the word of Christ, but you can be benefited by looking at other uh, translations. Are you at a busy, tiring stage of life? Don't make it difficult for yourselves. Listen to scripture being read by someone else, whether that is on a recording or someone that you just nudged before you turn out the lights. Um, read notes that someone else has published. A couple of pages and you get the benefit of it. Um, so don't make it hard for yourself, but at the same time, don't give up. Persevere in treasuring God's word. Don't think it's just other people that get, can get something out of it, and I need to therefore rely on other people. No, God wants to speak to you. God wants to bless you. You provoke yourself, challenge yourself to believe this. The the greatest discoveries in the word of God are those that God is going to enable me to make by myself. I'll be blessed by people preaching. I'll be blessed by reading books. I'll be blessed by listening to sermons. But I want to get into the word of God and chew on it myself and believe that I'm going to be blessed as I do that. Does that clock start? <laughs> I've been thinking it's 25. Two for a long time. I'm doing brilliantly it's amazing I mean maybe I've been speaking a little bit fast but um, okay so on a slow train we might revisit this subject um, on another occasion or two I'd like to even tackle the rest of this verse but um, I'm just going to try and say things just very quickly and then we're going to come to um, uh, to worship again. Uh, something that I've been challenged in recently is also memorising the word of God. And this could be a seasonal thing in the same way that raspberries are seasonal. We're picking raspberries at the moment because it's the season. Uh, we're making lots of jam and we're shoving them in the freezer. We're going to enjoy them through the autumn. Um, but we had a prophecy a while ago as a church about weeks of refreshing during this summer period. And I thought, well, what am I going to... I'm believing that God wants to refresh us, but I, I want to be a bit proactive in that, and so I decided to try to uh, memorise some verses of Scripture. This verse that we've looked at today says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And, um, you know, in life we've got, um, we might store loads of our own personal information and photos on a cloud, it's out there somewhere. Um, over the last few years, the, the self-storage industry has exploded. In other words, get lots of stuff, have lots of possessions, but then don't have enough space for them. So actually, store them somewhere else. Put them in a container. Now, you could remember what you've got and think, well, I'll, I'll go there. I think I can put my hand on it um, if I really need to. Well, I just thought... I, I want to have the word of Christ dwelling in me. I'm going to pick a few verses and memorize them. Um, starting with things that are already familiar, so it's not too hard. Um, taking just one phrase at a time, 
even just within a verse itself, to then build it up, might jot it down, have it with me. So basically, just at a time where I'd otherwise be idle, I'm just going to go through a few verses of Scripture if I'm walking somewhere, if I'm on the bus. If you were to choose to do that, you think it could be as simple as saying, picking a key verse when Richard next preaches on Hebrews, which might not be for a little while. But so that every time Richard preaches on Hebrews, think, I'm going to take from Hebrews that section that we've just looked at, one verse, and get it in here and here. So from the, time, the occasion he just spoke um, last weekend, you could choose Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, really, for it to make sense. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you might be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It will do, do us good. I don't want to turn away from the living God. I don't want my heart to get hardened. See to it, brothers. So it can just be time, uh, one verse at a time, one phrase at a time, uh, building it up, not tr- necessarily creating a new slot in life, but at a time which is free, at a time when I can, I'm going to do that. Um, set it to music. If you're kind of good at doing that, kind of pick the verse. Think now, is there a tune that is well known that goes with that verse? Now, if you went to Kids Club, you might know a few already. Um, and we don't have time, I'm sorry, we don't have time for me to rehearse the one I was going to do, which would have been a lot of fun. Anyway, there's a great musician from Australia called Colin Buchanan. We've got an album of his, and he basically does this. There are songs which are just a verse of scripture, and he sets them to a tune. I think, well, that's great. I can tell you that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. What's the reference? Oh, it's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. So don't turn to a user manual in the morning. You think, that verse is going to bless me if it's in here. And if I'm allowing it to dwell in me richly, just one verse, huge encouragement. We've got a whole Bible. Let's enjoy it. Let's believe that meditating on it is going to be a feast. We might just pick a morsel and really chew it over. We might kind of have a massive banquet and enjoy it. But this is going to do us good. We're going to look at the ways in which it does the community of God good. 9.30 congregation next week because I'm preaching just once then. Um, But the the point is we want to nurture and nourish ourselves and believe. Not get discouraged. The Colossians had got discouraged. Their confidence had been knocked. We hear voices that might say to us, don't be so simple. Don't be so gullible. Don't regard Jesus as the only way. What, you really think the Bible is an authority for life? Well, it is academics might criticise it. Oh, well, actually, I, I believe it. We do believe it. And we're going to rejoice in it. We're not just picking out certain bits and saying, there are certain bits that are reliable, there are certain bits that aren't. No, God has given us his word to bless us and do us good. Amen. Shall we worship God? <laughs>